welcome back to another episode of Explain It Slowly. So today you had another another uh, onboarding session with Parenthood. <laughs> uh, what did they talk about this time? Uh, baby care. So like, after you have a baby, what to do? How to keep it alive. Not Not to that extent, but just like... The basics, mm-hmm. right? Like, what happens after the baby is born? What do they do at the hospital in the first 24 hours? What sort of resources do you have if you need help? But not really, like, teach you how to take care of a baby. But I guess there's really no teaching you how to take care of a baby. That that normally comes naturally, right? Like, just the thing's hungry, you feed it. If, it's, <laughs> if it needs washing, you wash it, right? Like, there's... Really? <laughs> well, I guess it sounds like such a common sense thing. Like, you just take care of it. Of yeah, I, I think it's it's <laughs> right right next, there next to other common sense things. Like, yeah. you walk on the right side of the road, and yeah. it's like, you learn it through society. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily, like, it's, it's not necessarily ingrained in us to know exactly what to do. Like, I feel like most people will just be... Making educated guesses at best, right? Sure. Like, one thing you mentioned earlier was you need to learn how to read your your baby to be able to tell if it it's hungry, hungry or if it's uh, sleepy or, or any of those things. Like, you need to be able to read those signs, right? Mm-hmm. That's not something that just comes instantly. In fact, it, it's a source of a lot of stress for many parents, right? Yeah. So, like... Is it all is it all uh, common sense at the end of the day? I mean, I feel like to a certain extent it's common sense, but I I mean that's just me. I think I have a higher level of common sense than maybe a lot of people that I know. So <laughs> So please share. What is what is the sense that should be common? <laughs> so anyway, in the class they were talking about just some of the things that you might be able to observe when a baby is born, right? Mhm. So, um, when a baby is born, they usually have, like, this sticky, white, milky thingy, like, layer of stuff on them. Mm-hmm. And normally, they would just wipe that off. But they realize late, later on in, like, I don't know how many, the past decades or so, whatever, that, like, this layer of, uh, I guess, protection, stickiness, it's, it's called vernix, and it's, it's you it's there because it's protecting the baby skin from drying out since it's been in the amniotic fluid for like 9 months. Mm-hmm. So this layer of stickiness it's actually beneficial to the baby from protecting them from the now being exposed to this outside world that is full of germs and bacteria and things just floating in the air. So what they used to do is wipe them off, but now they don't anymore. They say they'll just, if there's a lot all over the face and such, they'll wipe most of it off. But the majority of it, they'll just let leave it on the baby's skin. Mm-hmm. And it'll eventually, like the baby will, skin will just reabsorb that. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like an extra protective layer for the baby. So it's like a waxy protective. It's not waxy, it's sticky. So it's like kind of like mucusy-ish mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, lube. So, lube. <laughs> lubricant. Baby, so, natural baby lubricant. Well, I guess this is the, the the prime example of, like, 
common sense changing over time, right? Yeah. Like common sense tells us, well, oh, this clean isn't it. common. Yeah, common sense tells us like, oh, this nasty thing, let's clean it. But scientifically, it's no, it's actually beneficial, so let's keep it. Mm-hmm. So, so, I mean, common sense, it's out the window when there is science to back it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so yeah, within, um, right after the baby is born, there's something that they do is called the Aps, APGAR score. Mm-hmm. I think they said his name after somebody, but pretty much they check for five things. Their respiratory, how well they, you know, they're able to breathe, their heart rate, their coloring, is the baby blue? I mean, normally they said, and they check it like twice, uh, the first minute after it's born and then like five minutes later if the score isn't doing very well. And it's just visually. Like, how's mm-hmm. the muscle tone? How does the baby look in general, right? And the, and since the baby's extremities, meaning hands and feet, are the furthest away from getting uh, like blood, blood and, oxygen. and oxygen and stuff like that. So it'll start off being slightly blue, but over the course of like five minutes or so, it should be better. Mm-hmm. So that's why they do sort of like a one minute and a five minute evaluation. And yeah. And they and, and they have this thing called a panda warmer. It's just a normal machine, but it's hooked. But a, a little pad is placed on the baby. And this um, sometimes if during the process of like the mom delivering the baby, you do the skin to skin or whatnot. And then the mom still needs to deliver like the, the placenta during that transition time, they might take the baby and put, hook the baby up to this panda machine, this machine to keep the baby warm. And while it does is it monitors the baby's temperature Mm -hmm. and then it will regulate the machine uh, to warm the baby up or to cool down the temperature in a way, but it's not closed in. Mm -hmm. It's just a little bed Mm -hmm. that the baby is hooked up to. Got it. So, yeah, I don't know why they call it a, a a panda machine, but that's what it is. So I have an anecdote. Uh, when I was a teenager, uh, in my infinite wisdom while I was asleep, I, like, slept on my arm. Uh, and I slept on my arm such that by the time I woke up, not only was my arm blue, but I also had no sensation. Like, it was limp. It, it could not feel. Like, I didn't even get the the sandy feeling when you like pinch a nerve or something like that this was just like totally oh shoot my i might need to get my arm amputated kind of realization uh but like lo and behold once i shifted enough and blood could recirculate to my arm like it was fine so i guess like if you are ever concerned about the the blueness in like a baby's arms and stuff like that like if it goes away in five minutes totally like totally there's there's more time to for stuff to circulate than 5 minutes so that's like a good a good reason not to panic if all it takes is 5 minutes that's all okay <laughs> I, I don't want anything to say to that anyway moving on uh so after they talk about uh so what happens after the baby's born um there's going to be identification bands like sort of like wristband mm-hmm. and because they don't want to lose the baby with the parents. So the mom will, the parents, or the mom and the, I don't know, their partner or whoever's supporting them might have a wristband. Definitely the mom will have a wristband and then the baby will have one. The baby will have two, one on their leg, on the ankle, and one on their arm in case, like, one of them falls off. Mm -hmm. And that's just a 
uh, something used to identify which babies belong to whom because you don't want you turns know, out babies look like babies yeah and you <laughs> don't want it to mistakenly be swapped because it still happens today apparently and that, you only notice way later it's like all of a sudden you don't look like either of us <laughs> yeah well, sure so there's that. And then in addition to that, baby is wearing something called... They're also going to be wearing some sort of like uh, an ankle uh, monitor uh-huh. that tracks where they are. So this ankle monitor is um, know where they're supposed to be within the, the circumference of the labor and delivery unit. Mm-hmm. And if you are a little bit too far out of that, like if you're heading towards the It'll elevator, beep. it will start beeping. Security will be alarmed. They will shut down the entire hospital building just to, and then make sure the baby needs to return back to where they are before. Like, so like, Yeah. So, Aww. because sometimes they're under house arrest. Yes, because sometimes you know, uh, like I don't know, somebody like a family member comes to visit, and then the the I don't know, the partner might be holding the baby and greeting the pa- grandparents or whatever at the house at the at the elevator, and so then that could raise the mm-hmm. trigger the alarm. So, good security practice, I guess. Yeah. Um. I have heard stories where, uh, I know it doesn't always happen, but, like, I was a bit weird about that because I was always like, how do you identify one baby from another? Because I've watched enough horror on YouTube to know that, like, these things happen all the time. So, I was always curious, but good to know that, like, they are going to be wristband, like, Mm -hmm. immediately. Most of the time, depending on the hospital, I think we have Kaiser uh, Insurance and... At this hospital, the baby doesn't really leave the room. Mm-hmm. The baby is always near the parents. It's at not all brought time. to like one of those rooms full of babies. Yeah, it's no longer that. Um, so that is a little bit reassuring, but it doesn't mean things don't happen. So there is a YouTube video that I watched recently where while the baby was being. Uh, being taken care of doing this uh, APGAR scoring test and the, the, the nurses or whoever were handling the baby accidentally dropped the baby. And this was caught on camera because the father happens to be there recording it. And and uh, the father happens to be there recording it. And so they caught the whole scene of the, the nurse dropping the baby and the baby did a whole flip and fell on the bed so this is actually important so it it kind of puts me in that state of like when we're in the hospital like don't don't worry about me like wherever the the baby is you need to be there to watch okay Mm -hmm. because it does happen and there's something that uh that is very important is baby shake syndrome Mm -hmm. it's some it's um it's when we, it's one of the mistakes that people tend to often do, like when, when parents get stressed, they, they mentioned it. 
Yeah, when you get stressed and then you're overwhelmed taking care of a newborn, you can to get frustrated and you kind of lose yourself. So you want the baby to stop crying. So you shake the baby. Mm-hmm. Like this is very important because like the baby's head and brain, there's no cushion there yet to protect the brain. So any little jostle could like damage the brain. So in this in this YouTube thing where they were talking about how the baby got dropped and the baby did a freaking 360 flip and hit us and like hit the baby. Bed, I was like, shoot, like this this could be brain damaging and the baby could die. And like the good thing that the father was there caught it on camera because then you can say, like, you know, this is what happened. Like it wasn't my like, you know, the mm-hmm. hospital can be held responsible for it. At, at the very least, the hospital can't have the audacity to charge you for care after that point. But it's not even that. <laughs> like it's it's not even that. I mean, health insurance will do whatever they want to do, but it's just in the end it's like who are you gonna art? Who's gonna whose words is the company gonna mm-hmm. take? You know, you you the parent or the the stress parent or the hospital? You know, we actually did an episode about this. Uh, I don't remember which number it was, but there was a case where a bunch of parents were being held liable for shaken baby syndrome um, uh, when they weren't like doing it. Oh really? Uh, and there was uh, a different cause. Um, I think it was on for sudden infant death uh-huh. syndrome. Um, and they were accusing the parents of having shaken the baby when the parents did not. Yeah, you know, it's like that. The worst thing you can be accused is of is like the child. the death of your own child. Um, and it turns out it, there were numerous other reasons why it could have happened. Um, but that actually came up because. Like, up until that point, we automatically just kind of pointed the finger at the parents for that. Um, but I guess in this case, it could be the nurse. And it's not like they have spare babies laying around. They have to... Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't. It was done on purpose. I mean, the baby, when mm-hmm. they first come out, they're slippery. They're slimy. I mean, they are this little tiny thing. That, and they're moving. And they're moving. And, they're, you know, so mm-hmm. it, it's understandable that, like, you could drop a baby, but... The fact that it happened and I, I saw that, I'm just, like, worried that, like, one, our kid is going to be swapped after, you know, struggling so much <laughs> Like, oh, this one it. lost an arm. Let's pull that one over. And then, like, two, like, we misplaced the thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. So, that that's just my worries. But... So when we're there after the tra- after the baby comes out, make sure you're constantly watching the baby. Have the camera ready, always on. <laughs> but of course, at, at the hospital, I mean, things anything can happen, and you might not be all be able to always record your mm-hmm. baby and such. So yeah, I, I guess one thing to reassure ourselves with is the good news is not going to make its way over to YouTube most of the time. It's only ever going to be the bad right. news. So, like, but I... I get that. No, I get no, that. No, no, I guess to the, to those listening, like, if you do fall into the rabbit hole of, like, finding stuff on YouTube and, like, everything just looks like a horror show, uh, do remember that only the horror shows have made it that far, whereas the, the millions of success stories did not. Right. Yeah, because people don't want to watch a successful story. People want to watch drama, and that's mm-hmm. why it's on YouTube. But doesn't mean things don't happen, you know? Mm-hmm. And No, they definitely do. And it's good to be aware that anything can happen in a hospital. So if you can be cautious about something, why not? I mm-hmm. mean, it doesn't hurt you to just keep an eye on your baby. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. 
So the next thing they talked about is molding. It's um, So the baby's head is made of like different, or not different, but the baby's skull, skull isn't fused yet, right? So mm-hmm. it's like composed of like these five individual like bone plates, right? Mm-hmm. Which, and the fact that it's not fused allow it to pass through the birth canal. It's still flexible. And it's still moldable. And so babies can come out with warped heads. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, but it'll, it'll recover in a few days. So also, like, when a baby is born, you know, it's always going to be lying on its back. So some babies will have a warped and lopsided head or skull. So you kind of have to, like, rotate the baby every now and then just mm-hmm. so that, like... It, right side, left side. Yeah, right, right side, side, left side. side. So then the, the, the skull isn't, like, always Shape squished. Shape it evenly. Always squished on one side. So that's also normal to see. Mm-hmm. Um, what's, also, what's also normal to see is something called Lanugo. 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 It's pretty much peach fuzz or baby hair. And that hair is used to protect the baby while it's in the body. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, over time it'll, it'll fall off. So usually they have it on all over their body. I mean... Some, depending on the babies, they'll have more than others. So if you have a baby girl coming out and it's like a monkey, you know, <laughs> just know that like that baby hair will most likely fall off and it's nothing to be alarmed about. <laughs> I mean, mine's still there. It's not so much baby hair anymore. It's more of like a, a thick mane, but it, it is everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So. And then puffy eyes. So like little rashes. They're not really rashes, but just like redness on the eyes on the eyelids or the back of the skull is also normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of these, like, little baby things will go away. Um, so the baby will also have something called Malia or Malaya. And it's, like, these little white dots on the baby's nose. I mean, if you look at it, it'll, it'll look like the baby's nose is full of whiteheads, but it's not. It's Resist like, the temptation. It's little <laughs> fat deposits that is there in the in the skin duct to protect and moisturize and lubricate, like, keep the baby moist. Mm-hmm. Keep the baby moist. But that's what, essentially what it is. It will go away over mm-hmm. time as well. So, also, also has not gone away on me. <laughs> So if if your baby comes out with like little a nose full of white dots, this just know they're not whiteheads. Don't start popping them. Do not pop them. They're Do good. not pop the whiteheads. Do not try to reform the skull with your hands. Like just let the baby be a baby. It will it will turn into a toddler without any problems. Yeah. Um, babies are nor it's normal for baby to get rashes as well, and these are actual rashes. And they said it's more noticeable when we ba- when a baby has jaundice, mm-hmm. or baby that ha- that have jaundice tends to have rashes, more rashes. Um, and they said that uh, um. So this is going to go into like the general area. If you have a girl, um, so the the mom. But then this, a girl or a boy, this is with the mom's uh, hormones, right? Because the mom's hormones at this point is very high. And so far up until birth, the baby has been 
adapting to the mom's level of hormones in the body. Mm -hmm. So the baby, when they're born, they will have something called a cervical mucus plug as well. And in the mother, the cervical, the mucus plug is something that plugs the cervical, the cervix so that the baby doesn't come out and it's like keeping the thing there. But then for a baby, it kind of works the same way. Even though, you know, you think like it's a baby, like nothing is developed yet. Why would it have mucus? on its genital the organs are still there though everything is still there and the reason why the a girl would have it is to protect itself from infection so if a mom if a mom has some sort of vaginal infection or whatever it could transmit to the baby so the baby having that mucus plug there is actually protecting the baby from getting this infection as well Mm -hmm. and then for a, a boy um they might have sort of like more puffer puff up chest sort of like looks like as if they have breasts in a way for a a baby boy and their scrotum or genital area will be a little bit more enlarged and that's because of the mom's level of hormones right Mm -hmm. but over time the babies you know that hormones will no longer be recognized though like you know it's now the baby's body taking over and then everything will go back to normal Mm -hmm. or the baby's body will grow to no 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 it will the baby's body will get start making its own hormones and like get adapt to its own level of mm-hmm. you know how an infant's supposed to be and then the genital that is sort of like enlarged will get back to its what size it's supposed to be got it so it's not that it's engorged and then the baby grows up and then it fits it no it's because of the mom's hormones that the baby's genitals are like that got it And then there's something called Mongolian spot. And this was brought up to us by a friend who came visiting us recently. And she was telling us how, like, uh, did she say her if her two kids have them? Mm-hmm. So she said her two kids, when they were born, on their bottom, they had, like, these blue patch marks. And she asked if I ever had them because uh, it tends to happen in, like, Asian babies. But... But turns, but I don't think it always happened to be on Asian babies. It's just babies that have darker skin mm-hmm. tends to have it. But um, it's like these blue patch marks. It looks like it'll be. A, it'll look like it's a giant bruise, pretty much. But it's nothing. I mean, I don't think we know why it's there, but it'll just go away through the magic of genes. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I guess if you have a baby that has the uh, the Mongolian spot, like, and if you happens to have like a a babysitter that come and never seen it, just let them know like you're not abusing your baby. It's just they're born like this, and this is natural, and it'll just go away over time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, something we'll also notice with a newborn is that they'll have dry or peely skin, um, and that's just normal. Um, they said not to lotion the baby, especially lotions that have like perfume or any like, and, and a lot of the lo- things that we like cosmetic stuff that we use tend- are very toxic, right? There's a lot mm-hmm. of chemicals in there. There's perfume, there's scented, everything like that. So like, don't do, don't use lotion or anything like that, especially with perfume or additive or things like that until the baby's one years old. Mm-hmm. So at worst is use Vaseline if it's like really crackly, if the skin looks too bad. I mean like um, eczema, right? Eczema is something different. This is just like dry the skin. baby looks looks dry because it's been incubating in a little pool of liquid and now you're out and then like kinda like I say pruny in a way as well mm-hmm. when you're exposed to like so much 
So this is all water. like stuff to to keep in mind during like that first month, right? Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, every baby is different, so I wouldn't say it's the first month. But we'll, I guess we'll we'll check back and we'll say, is our baby still pruny and dry skin and oily and whatever, like, after a month? But I think every baby is different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and also, one thing, one, one thing to not be alarmed about is babies being born with cross eyes. I mean... Because their eye muscles are very weak at first when they're first born, so they're not able to control the direction of it. So if they are looking at you, they tend to be cross-eyed because they look they see better out of the corner of their eyes. So if they're often like let's say for instance you're breastfeeding them and they're, they're you're holding them and they're breastfeeding, but you know and you're looking down at your baby, you will notice that the baby's eye is crossed, looking up back at you, and that's normal because that's just where they're able to see well or clear the most. Mm-hmm. But the the eyes will crack themselves as uh, once the baby starts to mature and the muscles start to strengthen. Um, but they said. After if after two years old and the eyes are still slightly crossed, then of course you got to take the baby in. Surgery might be a thing, but depending on what the condition is, right? Mm-hmm. But cross eyes for newborn is normal. Okay, so it's 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 their attempts to be extra cute for the most part. Sure. Uh, okay. I don't think they're 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 trying to be extra cute. They're just dumb and they don't know any better, and that's just how babies are. Hey, I'll have you know, my baby is the most intelligent baby <laughs> that knows more than any other baby. Probably. Um, Probably not. <laughs> yeah. Um, so some standard things that they'll do once the baby's born, and this is all happening like while we're still in the hospital, right? Mm-hmm. So they'll give the baby some ointment to put over their eyes. That's only because like, you know, um, infections, bacteria and such. So the first thing they'll do is give the baby some ointment for their eyes. Um, vitamin K injection is very, it's definitely a must. Uh, and vitamin K is to help with blood clot. And uh, depending on how the baby comes out, right, Uh, depending on how the baby comes out, um, if during the process of the baby coming out um, and if it sustained any trauma to the head because it's being squeezed through the birth canal, Mm -hmm. then if there's any bleeding in the brain or whatever, like, or any bleeding in the body that we don't know about, like, vitamin K is used to, is really beneficial to have because it will help blood clot because babies don't develop vitamin k in their body until later on so that's a thing that they must do and they say for any babies baby boys who need who whose parents decide to give them a circumcision will require to get a vitamin k shot before they do the circumcision if you don't want the vitamin k shot then you cannot do the circumcision right then and there Mm -hmm. it'll be too dangerous yeah because there's going to be blood involved, and if the baby's body can't clog up that blood, then it's going to be life-threatening. So you need to have the vitamin K before they do anything, any procedure. Mm-hmm. Um, the baby is also going to be given a hearing test to see how well they hear, but it's okay 
for them not to pass the first time or so and they'll try it again like six hours later or like within 24 hours later like they'll try it again several times but it's okay if the baby doesn't pass that test because if you ever under the water for so long your ears get clogged and baby's not like they know how to shake the water out of their ears so if they don't pass that test it's considered it's okay mm-hmm. and then oh after a few several hours they'll try again and try again until and then until if it's something more serious then that's something that they will then deal with mm-hmm. uh i mean and also like based on california laws uh babies are required they're the hospitals and such are required to test to screen the babies for certain diseases mm-hmm. so they'll prick the baby's heel get some blood and then they'll put it on like some sort of test strips and then they'll send it out within i think within like a few days you'll get the test results back but it's required that way you can treat the any of the diseases as early as possible mm-hmm. so a lot is happening in the first like 24 hours of the baby's life oh and they say that for for circumcision there is actually it's it's mostly religious reasons and culture like culture. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a crazy president or something that like really really wanted people to get circumcised in like the 1950s. It's well, a whole thing. Yeah. So <laughs> so what they said that uh, there this is all based on personal preference and religion religion and you know how you're being raised up. But if it comes to like health benefit is there any benefit in circumcising a boy um they say that there's not much health benefit especially in the united states because we don't have things like uh the spread of hiv isn't very high Mm -hmm. so certain diseases so there's no need to get a circumcision in the u.s but if you're born in countries like africa where hiv is very uh it's a very big deal there then having circumcision will help you know prevent from getting infection from getting contract STDs yeah because then you know the it's cleaner mm-hmm. and it's easier to clean especially for boys and such but nowadays i don't know that's what they said but nowadays like you know i think it all comes down to and I, I feel like in third world countries, like, do you even do circumcisions unless you're, like, religious? I I mean, I never heard of that until I came to America and I was like, that's a thing? It, it seems to be a very American thing for the most part. Yeah. Um, And, and yeah, the, the I, I, I want to review the evidence a bit because the last I heard of it, it was a bunch of bunk. Um, and there was, like, very little benefit if at all Well, that's what i just said like they there is no like not just here but like anywhere like the it's not there's not a good reason to do it basically sure well we don't know we're not scientists Mm -hmm. we're not doctors this is what's just what we're being taught so take it with a grain of salt if your family practice it and if that's what you prefer then do it Mm -hmm. you know but yeah um one thing to know is that well we're not having a boy but one thing to know is that like circumcision is covered by health insurance in the united states especially depending on your uh what's it called your health plan but it has to be done before you're being discharged 
So they will offer it to you or they will ask you if you want, want, want one. But if you declined it and then come back a few a few days later, then the insurance no longer considers it as a health benefit thing. It will then consider it as a cosmetic thing. So then you are forced to then pay out of pocket. And it could be from $5,000 up to $10,000. Yeah. But if the baby... Don't do it yourself. Yeah, do not do it yourself. But if the baby has some sort of like health conditions that is preventing them from getting a circumcision while they're in the hospital, then uh, then the then it can still be covered, but it will be scheduled for later on, and of course it'll be through the hospital. So then they will they are aware of that. But yeah. Um, vaccine is very important. I mean, there's a bunch of vaccines that the baby needs to have on their first, uh, before they get this, uh, you know, just, I don't know. There's important vaccines that baby, baby needs to have because they're tiny and they're, they don't know how to protect themselves. And, you know, they kind of trust the people around them to take care of themselves, them, but if the Get a head start in life, you know? Yeah, so it's safe, it's effective. They said there's no side effects. I mean, everything has side effects, but there's it's minor side effects. There's no... I know there's a lot of debate about, like, oh, vaccine causing autism, but, I mean... Nothing we say will convince you otherwise, yeah, but they don't. Yeah, so if you believe <laughs> that, then that's you, but... Um, I think it, it, the vaccine causing autism started with this doctor called uh, Wakefield. Mm-hmm. He's a doctor in like the 90s in England. And he did some sort of study and said that, oh, vaccine is actually causing um, autism. And then he published this article in like a very prestige um, jur- like science journal in England around that time. And it kind of took it like everything blew up for everyone right and so Mm -hmm. the and so the government i think i whoever it was was like okay well we can't just take your word for it we need proof right so and if if these vaccine is what's causing autism we might we should be able to replicate this study and then if it if it is what you say then the results will show the same and lo and behold the result does not show any evidence of autism at all he is now uh, I get. Did he get his word? license revoked? He got his license revoked. What is he? What's the word? Exile? I guess. Yeah. I guess that's not the right word, but I'm using the word exile. He's hiding out in Texas here. So, but um. if, if he, but <laughs> if he ever returned back to um to England, he will be arrested for spread. That that for, would be exile. Yes. For for spreading uh false uh health studies. Because they take it very seriously. Well, look at the damage he caused. <laughs> to yeah. be fair, uh, all all vaccine hate kind of stems from that one person. I'm sure it's not just him. I'm sure it's a lot of people. Yeah, but like, you it yeah. only takes one to like really yeah. propagate it. I find it um, funny that he's hiding out in Texas because that that is the one place that where outlaws go. Yeah, that is the one <laughs> place all. that that you know tends to have very extreme beliefs when it comes to science and whatnot mm, no i wouldn't say that i wouldn't categorize all okay, of texas i just want to say way. i just want to say so far of all the things that i've seen that are bad are all stemming from texas 
<laughs> I just want to say that. Like, I, I feel like you have some uh, some lenses on that are just like <laughs> focusing only on Texas rather than accepting the United States as a whole as being the origin sure. of horrible sure. things. Um, so, anyway, going back to the immunization for babies. It's important. Um, so the first vaccine that's going to be offered before you're being discharged at all is hepatitis B for the baby. And there's going to be three shots. But the first shot is going to be done in the hospital. And this is to protect from liver infection. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, without a liver, there's not much you can do. Right? So it's important. And then two months later, there's going to be a bunch of other vaccines that the baby will need. Um, like the rest of the hepatitis vaccine shot. There's going to be something called a DTAP. I, I don't know. Diphtheria tetanus and uh pertussis and these are gonna these are diseases that like or these shots will protect you from these diseases and which are you know it will damage the heart muscle paralysis and whooping cough and if you are a parent they will have suggested that the mom take a uh DTAP what is it a Tdap shot while she was pregnant which I got at the earlier, like I got it like a month ago or so. Mm-hmm. And it's important and it's to protect similar things. But the T-DAP is for adults and the D-TAP is for kids. Mm-hmm. So they also suggest that the partner who is going to be coming into close contact with the newborn also get, also it. get it. Which you still need to get young. Yes, man. I do. So anyone who comes into close contact with a baby the first Including few months, pa- uh, grandparents, grandparents, anyone, close contact needs to have it because whooping cough is very important. A baby should not, apparently, sneezing is okay, it's fine for a baby but to coughing sneeze, is not. but co- a baby should not be coughing. If a baby is coughing, then that means there's something majorly wrong. Mm-hmm. I learned that today, did not know Because that. they can't choke yet, so like they won't be coughing for other reasons. So, and then there's a bunch of other uh, vaccine that will protect against meningitis, which is a bacteria that will attack your brain pretty much and your mm-hmm. whole Not body. Fun. Yeah. And then they also give you an inactivated polio vaccine. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like, it's because of these vaccines that we don't see any more of the outbreaks of these diseases anymore, you mm-hmm. know? And it's because people stop taking these vaccines that we start to see outbreaks of these diseases again. Yeah. Which is really sad after years and years of immunity. Um, one thing I wanted to mention is that for, not for the mother, but for everyone else, um... The Tdap is good for ten years, I think the doctor said. The parent, yeah. Yeah. But, so if yeah. if if you had one for your first child uh, and it hasn't been ten years yet, you you're like good for the second one. But if you're a mother, you're recommended to always take it because anything you catch, the baby might catch. Yeah. So best safe. Yeah. So yeah, those are the things that you experience when you're in the hospital um i mean some things to keep in mind i guess once you get home because then you're now left on your own uh is now um, you are responsible yeah now you are responsible so um i guess keep the baby safe avoid (laughs) don't let the baby if you're you know when the baby goes to sleep don't let the baby sleep with in a crib or in a uh what's it called in a bassinet with things I mean, they don't, 
they haven't learned to roll yet. They're kind of static in a way. So, like, anything that could potentially, like, suffocate them is a no. Normally, it's just baby, crib, empty. Nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um, Not even blanket, pillow. No blankets, no pillows. No toys. No toys. I mean, the thing all it knows is sleep and eat, like, and poop. So, why does why do you need toys in there? You well, know common saying? sense shows me that I see baby with toys all the time, so I give baby a toy. So, right? so yeah, um, there's that. Uh, I guess the one thing that I always question is, uh, like, how do I know if a baby is cold or hot? Mm-hmm. And normally it's like, however you feel is probably what the baby feels. So if, if you dress yourself as if, dress the baby as if you would dress yourself, but with one extra layer, mm-hmm. right? Um, so yeah, and they said it's, it's okay for the house to be a little bit cooler than a little bit hotter, you know, so you don't need to turn on the AC or you don't need to turn on the heater. You don't need to adjust the temperature of the house. Mm -hmm. However you normally feel is probably what the baby will feel with an extra layer, right? Mm -hmm. So there's that, um, it's okay to have pets around the house. Um, because it will build their immune system. And apparently they said that children who grow up around pets will have uh, a lesser time of developing like uh, allergies and such. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's safe. But, all, but of course, do not leave the baby alone with the pet or young children. Um, always supervise. I mean, don't leave the baby out of your sight pretty much. Right. Mm-hmm. And I guess they also taught you to do, like, you know, how to deal with the baby when the baby's crying, right? So, normally, like, when babies cry, tends to put pa- parents in a very stressful situation. And sometimes your normal instinct is just to shut the thing up. And if you ever get to that stage where you feel like you want to just shut this thing up, stop. like, stop, stop what you're doing, put the baby down in a safe place and just walk away like the baby can cry crying a few minutes longer is not gonna be any harmful unless something is happening you know baby tends to sometimes cry and it's called colic it's not there's nothing you can do when baby have colic really like they'll just cry you know mm-hmm. so yeah so one thing you want to avoid is the shaken baby syndrome. Do not shake a baby, no matter how frustrated you are, because like I'm like we mentioned that you earlier, will go to jail earlier in the in the episode. Like you know, baby's brain isn't very protected yet, so you know things will get damaged, and it could even lead to death. Right? Yeah. So, Sid is also something really important, uh, or something serious which is sudden infant death syndrome and there is really no i guess they don't know why it happens Mm -hmm. it just does and the baby that's when the baby does not wake up after going to sleep and you know they just pass away and there's really uh there's no reason as to why it happened and we don't know why it just does but there are things that you can help to prevent that right so, like, let the baby sleep on their back. Don't put toys. Don't put things that could essentially suffocate them in their bed, right? Um, no smoking around the baby, you know, that can damage their lungs and such. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I read that, like, 
First hand smoke is bad. Second, well, first hand smoke is you doing it, but the baby don't don't do first hand smoke with the baby. Yeah, but the baby being near you is considered second hand smoke. But the smoke that lingers on your clothes, even if you're not smoking in front of the baby, is considered third hand smoke, which is still also bad. Right? Also known as smelly hotel syndrome. Um. So there's that. Uh, you know, don't cover the fa- baby's head or moderate the temperature. It's okay to sleep with the windows open. You know. Like fresh air. Like there's little things that you can do to help prevent that, right? Mm-hmm. But it, life is not guaranteed, pretty much. So, and I think like, yeah, that's, I mean, breastfeeding is a thing. <laughs> uh, it's recommended that you feed the baby for 12 months. And then anything after that, it's up to you whether you want to continue breastfeeding or not. You know, but... Don't give babies solid food until at least after six months because they haven't learned to. And pretty much you don't want to start baby starting to eat solid food or any food besides breast milk until they're more or less able to sit up on their own. Mm -hmm. Right. So if a baby's lying down, you probably don't want that. So only start solid food after six months. And that's usually around the time that they already know how to start sitting up on their own. Mm -hmm. They're not walking yet, but they might know how to crawl, things like that. So breastfeeding, yay. (laughs) And we did a whole episode on that. I think we did. Oh, and the umbilical cord is interesting. They said not to touch the umbilical cord. Do not clean it. Let it air dry. Do not cover it up. You want it to air dry to prevent infection, especially during like hot summer uh hot hot california here and we're gonna have a spring baby so it's gonna start getting hot here so don't cover the baby up they said i think wearing a onesie is okay but you don't want anything to really like you don't want to wrap the thing up Mm -hmm. right you want to leave it exposed let it do its thing the umbilical cord will fall off um and then after that then you can give a baby a bath so do not get it wet that's pretty much it for basic baby care and then of course the rest comes once you have the baby and you meet with the doctor and the pediatricians and stuff but those are the the things that you'll notice in the first 24 hours at the hospital and then you know and then after coming home the first couple weeks so there's going to be a lot of a lot of stuff going on so if any of those things come up, just know any of the baby stuff that we mentioned earlier, like just know that it's all normal. Yeah. Babies will be babies. Yeah. Watch when, when, when the baby comes, we're going to be like frantic and deprived of sleep. We're going to be freaking out for no reason. And, you know, it, it's easier said right now because it's not here yet. Well, that's why they, they teach us this kind of stuff at this point in time, right? Yeah, plant the seed so then by when the time it does happen you're only freaking out a little bit and not a lot (laughs) Mm -hmm. you have something to fall back on some knowledge that you you gained prior thanks for listening everyone yeah i think this concludes our uh our (laughs) our series of like uh pregnancy and baby and such and i think the next time we'll probably talk about is when i'll probably have the baby (laughs) never will you hear about it again from us for the next month I'm sure we'll talk about something, but yeah. Probably not to this extent of baby topics. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye.